Cinderella story out of nowhere. A former greenskeeper now about to become the Masters champion. Mm. We're waiting. Here he comes. It looks like I'm a wreck. Wait for it. Wait, Wait for, for it. it. Wait for Wait it. Wait for it. It's in the hole. It's in the hole. I'm going to show you how to operate in a spirit. This is Happy Life Studios. This message is for you. This message is for you. This message is singular to you. It's not for anybody else. It's not hard to get. It's not hard to get. It's not hard to understand. Hey, are you happy? Now that's a great question. Does your sun set high? Does your sun set high? Welcome to Happy Life Studios. What's up, Happy Lifers? Welcome to Happy Life Studios. It's a Masters Golf Tournament this weekend. It isn't just any golf tournament. It is the Masters. In my opinion, of course, I'm a golfer, but the Masters is just epic. And since it's so epic, we thought we'd come together, Joe and I, and put out a special podcast just to talk about who is going to win the Masters. Only we're going to do it Happy Life Studios, Mojo Studio style. And... We're doing it live. So happy Wednesday before the Masters. Wednesday. With my, buddy, with my buddy Joe from Mojo Studios. Yo. And that's what you're Well, some for. would say it's the most wonderful time of the year. Not because it's spring, but because it's Masters time. Do you watch the Masters much? Well, um, you know, growing up, I was definitely an athlete. I loved being outdoors. And golf, to me, was right up there with bowling, right? It had to be <laughs> the most boring sport. I, it, to me, that just seemed like... What in the world? A stick and a ball and you walk around in the grass. I, I just didn't get it. But that was I'd never played golf, right? I didn't have the, the time or the resources to do that. I didn't grow up in a family of golfers. Uh, but once I started giving it a shot, you know, I thought, well, it looks terribly boring, but I'll golf with my uncle. And turns out it's it's a lot more fun to play than it is to watch. Yeah. yeah. I was that way with baseball too. I hated watching baseball. Dad always wanted to have it on. I hated it until one day I went to a live baseball game. I was terrible at it in Little League. I was a kid that they made commercials out of, you know, that always struck out and the dad would hand him a piece of gum. That was that was me, right? But when I went to a live game, from then on I loved to watch it. And golf is kind of the same way with me too. It's when I started playing it, but I didn't play it much growing up. Um it was, you know, my dad didn't take me as much. It was kind of expensive to go and and uh but I, I'm not a good golfer, but I love to golf. I got to tell you, my, my first golf experience, uh, I grew up in Montana, and my Uncle Gil, who I adored, he was a Vietnam vet, a helicopter pilot, Purple Heart winner, all this kind of stuff. You know, he was like larger than life to me. So he actually flew me down in his Cessna from Billings down to Denver no to, spend, to spend a week with him. And of course, you know, this is like, a, this is, am, am, I in a, am I in a dream, you know? Right. So he takes me out golfing. This is my very first time. We go to a driving range, and he sets the balls out there, you know, and he, you know, gives me the idea of what we're supposed to do. And he was about to launch into a lesson about how do you, how do you golf? You know, what should you know? How do you do your hands? And I'm just whacking. I'm just whacking away. <laughs> and my Take uncle it down goes, the weeds. Yeah. My uncle goes, well, you got it. You got the idea. And so I just, you know, I was doing my baseball swing and I'm just whacking at him. Mm-hmm. And I get, get through all the balls and my uncle says, okay, I'll go pick him up. And I look out into this sea of range balls. There's, thousands and thousands of them and all these golfers lined up at the tees and i look at my uncle and i said how do we know which ones are ours <laughs> and he goes the ones with the red stripes 
<laughs> and then he'd let me in on the secret. I didn't have to go pick him up. But. That could explain why you are the way you are today, because you went out there and got just hit a few too many times, I guess. Right. Yeah, right. Took a few off the noggin. <laughs> my, one of my favorite Masters memories are, I feel like, I feel like, Joe, now that we're talking about the Masters, <gasps> we probably should talk more like this. This is one of the reasons why people don't like watching professional golf on television, right? Because that's how they talk, right? What? <laughs> right, that's the truth, man. But I'll tell you what, there's no better way. I was watching it today before we did this. I was watching it today, and I fell asleep like several times. I mean, the only thing that, that makes you fall asleep more than dun, 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 you know, the NFL theme song is right. when – and, and Freddie Couples steps up to them. You know, when they, they hit a real good shot. Wow, that's a hole in one. <laughs> yeah, and then you find out that behind the scenes, the announcers that are whispering, they're off somewhere in a truck. They're, they're nowhere close to the green, and they're whispering as if they're going to interrupt the golfer's swing. <laughs> right, right. This is that. Yeah, my, my favorite golf movie is Happy Gilmore. I think most people have found their way over to Happy Gilmore. He's been the talk of the course today with his huge drives and his amazingly bizarre behavior. He's on the 17th green right now, having a little trouble closing out his day. It's time to go home there, ball. Oh, why didn't you just go home? That's your home! Are you too good for your home? Answer me! Adam Sandler just goes, cuts across the grain of every single golfer he, thing. He does, man. He does. Boy, there's a lot of good golf movies out there, too. The Greatest Game Ever. I love Tin Cup. Caddyshack, of course. That was one of our cult favorites in college, right? <laughs> right, yeah. Dude. And I say, hey, Lama. Hey, how about a little something, you know, for the effort, you know? And he says, oh, uh, there won't be any money. But when you die... On your deathbed, you will receive total consciousness. So I got that going for me, which is nice. I was never allowed to watch Caddyshack, so it wasn't until I got to North Central with you and the guy right. when you <laughs> opened up a whole new world for me, baby. I was like, what? Where have I been? This is too yeah. fun. <laughs> yep, yep. So one of my favorite uh, Masters memories, I think it was probably from – five years ago or so. Um, but it was, it was when Spieth won it. But um, it was one of my favorite memories because I didn't watch the Masters that much. But this, for some reason, my wife and I, I don't know if we, if we had colds or if we were just tired or if we had just been going really hard or if we just happened to have the weekend open. But I, was, I had on TV, and all of a sudden she came down and sat next to me, and we watched the whole weekend, man, from Thursday night all the way to Sunday. It was just exciting. It was just really cool to just hang out with my wife, order food, uh, take a whole bunch of naps, and sit on our couch and, and watch the game. So, you know, that was great. I, I got to share a couple little stories of, of golf. You know, so I, so I went from that first experience on the driving range with my uncle. I was probably second grade. The next time I even golfed was in high school. I, I was on a band trip from Billings out to Spokane where my grandparents lived. And my grandfather and grandmother loved to golf. And they had this par three course. And they said, hey, do you, you and, let's take a couple of your buddies out golfing. And I'm like, I don't golf, but let's give it a try. So we got there. And the very, very first hole is, you know, par three, right? So it's not super long. But I hit the ball. It goes up and it hits a branch on a tree. And it comes back and it lands about 
three feet in front of the tee box. And I'm looking around. I'm like, that can't be good, right? <laughs> the next shot, I take another hack at it, and it goes in the hole. So I, I went from hitting a branch and get it back in the tee box to, to in the hole in two shots. And that's like, I'm done. No more talking for me. There you go. I'm done. I don't need to do this anymore. And I'm done. I suppose we should get to the Masters, right? You got yeah. any favorites? I was going to say, I did get to see uh, Tiger golf once. Uh, I was given tickets to go see him at Riviera back in, in his prime. So we drove up into L.A. from Orange County. And, uh, and it's, it's a vivid memory that will always be seared in my, in my mind. So I never get to go to the Masters, but this, this is probably the closest I'll ever get. And we got to, to be at a tee box where Tiger was, was uh, teeing off. And we waited for him to come, his group to come. And the people are lined up right along the two sides of the tee box, but not behind the tee, in front of it. So in the trajectory. Know, right? in the ball. And, and so like this narrow two groups of people I know. lined up and they're leaning out. Leaning out, looking towards. I know. I know. Like, he has a bad shot, man. You're dead. Yeah, that's all I can think of. Tiger's back there, and he's going to swing, and he hits the ball, you know, 9,000 miles an hour. It's like a rocket. If it hits you, it will kill you. And we're like, you know, 10 yards away, <laughs> bending over to see it coming at my eyeball. It's like, man, this is. This is yeah, I, I remember watching the, yeah, going watching too, and I thought, you know what? The pressure, it's one thing to shoot par or whatever and some of us might be able to shoot what they shoot i'm not a good golfer but i love to golf the, the big difference there but i think the pressure on these golfers is you hit a bad shot man someone is gonzo you know yeah. So, yeah, yeah yeah you know the i think oh, it's gonna be weird this year uh tiger isn't even at the masters right yeah that's really weird it's weird yeah. i'm glad he's doing better after his accident but that's gonna be a weird masters without tiger because that's been a long time absolutely yeah yeah, it's uh, it's he's a cultural phenomenon for sure. You know, I I don't think I would ever in my life spend any time watching golf unless I needed a nap. If it weren't for Tiger Woods, but Tiger, right. Tiger was he did. Yeah, he was a phenomenal athlete. He was in shape. He was young. He was yeah. effervescent and such a great personality. He, he was the one, like millions of others, that got me interested in, in professional golf. And that, now I pay attention to it a little bit. Yeah, I'd love to see Rory win one. I I just I would love to see him win one, man. I'd love to see Spieth go again. I think that would be cool to see Spieth win one again. He's pretty hot right now. Um, I'd like to see him win. Um, but Phil, it's always cool to see Phil. I'd love to see Phil do really well. You know, the thing I like about the Masters, too, is at the very end, two of my favorites were, was it last year or the year before when Dustin Johnson won? And he was just crying, man. He couldn't, he couldn't keep it together. That reminded me when Bubba Watson won. He was in tears, too. I don't know. I just love that one. Something means so much that – a person gets vulnerable and really lets down their guard and lets you know they don't want to let down their guard, but they, they do. I, I just, I love those stories. Like you said, when, when someone wins it, even whether, even if they're not a, you know, underdog or whatever, but when they finally win that thing, you see this grown man who's at the top of his game, who has accomplished more than you and I could even imagine. And at the end breaks down into tears, overwhelmed with emotion, you yeah. know, hugs, hugs his wife and his kids. Like, and even tiger himself to go from, top of the world to bottom of the heap and you know he hit so many issues physically and relationally and all that kind of stuff which all got scattered over the news so yeah. for me the my favorite masters of tigers is his very first one yeah. and then when he came back and won the masters yes, after that all, was all the failure and all of the struggle yeah. like wow that's that's a struggle i can relate to i can't relate to winning the masters or even playing golf very well but to to go through it all the crap and the hell and all yeah. that kind of 
and then come out and win. That's, that's inspiring. You know, we say stuff like, I wish I could do that. It must be nice. I wish I could do that. Well, if we did what they did, we could do what they do possibly. Mm -hmm. I mean, some people are, are born to be, but a lot of people, it's the, it's the hard work that they put in. There's no doubt about it. And the hours and the hours and golf isn't a game to them. It's a life, yeah. you know, and we can enjoy golf. They can't. I mean, seriously, in some ways they, they really can't because it's, there's all this pressure. I mean, think about it. Every missed shot is $10,000, $20,000 could be even more than that. You know, you, you miss 500,000 by one. I mean, you know, that's crazy. But I said, we talk about the masters happy life studio style, mojo studio style as well. So you'll notice that on the title it says, and even when I was at who's going to win the masters, dot, 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 which means there's something more to this. And so we've talked about, you know, a little bit about the Masters and, and who we'd like to see win it. But I want to fill in that dot, dot, dot right here. Um, who is going to win the Masters heart? A lot of times when people refer to God, or when they pray, they say, Lord, right? Lord just basically means master, means you're the boss, means CEO, means president. When someone calls Jesus Lord, what they're saying is, you're the boss. It's taken from back in the day when lords were lords, right? They're the kings. They're the rulers. They're the ones in charge. So when, when I talk about the master's heart, I'm actually talking about God's heart. Who is going to win God's heart? The and I think that's a, a weird statement for a lot of people because I don't think people think that God needs love. That's a really interesting concept. Even I am fascinated by that question, who's going to win the master's heart? I, I think most of us never even contemplate that I could win the master's heart. That's even an option. Wow. I like what Jen says down here. She says, I think we won his heart the day we were formed. Mm. You know, my wife was pregnant. My boys won my heart before they were even born. And then when they were born, they won my heart again, you know? And they always always have my heart, even when they're acting up. Cause why? Because they're my sons, right? Yeah. They're my boys. They're they're from me, and and God made us in His image, and we, he, he did that for a reason because we like to hang out with people that are like us. Yeah, you know this really does go to the even the very nature of love. So this is lots of theology about free will. Why would even God even give us free will? And do we really have free will if God knows everything that's going to happen anyway? And you know, you could really get into the minutiae there. But to me, what's really important is God gave us a free will because love, by its nature, is dependent on that. It's not love if I don't choose to love you. It's not love if God doesn't choose to love me. So if God is love, and we believe that he is, then of course he created us with a choice because that's the nature of love. It's choosing to be with someone in spite of them. Right. I want to talk about that a little bit, Joe. How do you win the master's heart? That's the question, Joe. He is love, and so he can't exist without it. He is love. The Bible says that he is a jealous God. And he says in the Ten Commandments that you should have no other gods before you. I'm a jealous God. I want you to love me. I want to be your master. I want to be your Lord. I want to be your CEO, your king. I want to be your prince. Like, I want to be my wife's king, her prince, not so I can lord it over her. She's my queen, right? She's my princess. She's my, she's the top here. And I think that's what God wants. This discussion is super rich because we, we tend to ignore the parts in the Bible that say God knit us together in our mother's womb, like you said, or that he dances over us with joy. Well, you know, in my insecurity, I'm like, 
well, yeah, that's when I do the right thing. That's when I make a good choice. That's when I, I'm in worship. Then he dances over me with joy. But the Bible doesn't qualify that. In fact, he dances over us with joy because we're the crown jewel of his creation. We are. You know, God, God made all that stuff in, in nature, and then he comes and he makes he makes the man, he makes the woman, he makes his crown the crown jewel of his creation, and he rejoices and he dances over us because we get to have relationship with him. We get to commune with him. We get to choose to interact with him. I like what Jen said down here. She says, what woos God's heart is worshiping him. And I think we all have an idea of what worship is. If, if you see yourself as God's, you, you know, if you feel yourself like our, our perception of God really is the most important perception we have in life. It determines how we act, right? So if you see God as I'm the peasant and he's just there to lord me in a bad way, then we see, you know, we look at the word worship. We say, oh, God, he just wants us me to tell him how great he is all the time. He wants me to, but she goes on. Listen to what she says. She says, worshiping is simply doing what God created us to do, mm. which is to laugh, have fun, create, be happy, have friendships, etc. That's it. Wow. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a quote right there. That's awesome. Really, the... The essence of worship is just assigning worth to something. So, yeah, if you in think fact, something, the old English word was worthship. Worthship, right? So, if you think something is valuable and you assign value to it, and you'll pay attention, you'll give your time, your talent, your effort, all of that kind of stuff for for whatever it is. That that's the essence of worship. So, who better to worship? Who who better to give worth than the Creator of the universe, the one who knows me? even in all of the things I do wrong and loves me in spite of that, right? And still chose me and yeah. still loves me. Yeah. yeah. You guys, when you're out there doing what you love to do, whether it's golf or whether it's lounging, whether it's shopping or whether it's some sport or it's, or it's volunteering or it's cleaning the sidewalk, it's power washing. I love the power wash. When you are enjoying life, you are wooing God's heart, whether you know it or not. Because like, like Jen said, when we do what he created us to do, he wants us to laugh. He wants us to have fun. He wants us to be happy. He wants us to create. And we're, when we're doing that, even if we're not in a church setting doing it, we're still wooing God's heart because he sings over us, the Bible says. He, he watches us. He loves us. And for instance, I don't need my boys to tell me how great I am. When my boys, I mean, I like that, right? But they don't always have to tell me how great I am. I like to know how they feel about me. But when my boys are having fun, even if they're having fun teasing me, I'm loving it because my boys are laughing. They are wooing my heart. You know why I'm into, into skateboarding? Because my son's into skateboarding. You know why I'm into drumming? You know why I'm into harmonious funk? Because my son is in a band called Harmonious Funk that plays all over the Seattle area. I'm into the things that they're into because they're into them. And, and some people even go, like there's a quote I got by Mac O'Grady. He, he's been in the Masters. And, and, and he, what he said about the Masters was, this is where God hangs out. And I think there are a lot of people that would disagree with that. No, God is holy. He doesn't care about golf. I disagree. Then why would he made the person who invented golf in the first place, right? <laughs> if I'm into golf, in my opinion, I know this seems narcissistic, but I know with my kids, if my kids are into something, I'm into it as long as it's not illegal, right? <laughs> if my kids are into something, I'm into it. And God is, God is hanging out at the golf course because people are hanging out at the golf course, right? Yeah. God put in somebody's mind somewhere, hey, you should – take this long stick and hit this little ball in this tiny hole a long ways away, right? And ever since then, we've been pursuing that, that crazy thing. But God is, man, he's, he loves it when we bowl. If we're enjoying it, he loves it when we, when we take a nap. 
He loves it when, because he loves us and he loves what we're into. And so when we enjoy life, it woos his heart. We think that God's constrained to a worship service, or constrained to when I'm Bible reading and I'm doing my devotions, but that's our constraint. That's not his. And in fact, the word holy, just at the, at the very core, just means extraordinary. Holy means different, extraordinary. So if you're an extraordinary golfer or an extraordinary crocheter or an extraordinary power washer, right? God loves that because that's holy. And in a sense, that's a holy thing because you're being extraordinary. And God created us to be extraordinary. So when we express that, when we tap into the extraordinary nature that God put in us, well, then he rejoices like, yeah, you're getting it. That's what I have for you. Is it? It's just, you are extraordinary, and I love it. And I'm dancing because you're, you're golfing, or because you're you hit the baseball, you're playing the bass, or you're doing your drums, or whatever it is. And and God's just having a party because yeah, that's it. That's that's I love that. You know, we go after power and prestige, and we think the way to greatness is you know by being better than all the people around us, and you know having control and having power and prestige and money and all that kind of stuff. And, and Jesus, he he says. You know what? If you give a cup of cold water to a person when they're thirsty, that's where the reward is. And you're like, nah, that can't be it. That's no. It's right. as simple as that. And you know what I love about that? To give a cup of cold water to somebody when they don't need it, well, that's kind of, that's not what he's talking about. It's like, first you have to be aware that someone's thirsty and that they don't have water available and that you have what they need. It might not be water. Water's a metaphor, right? So if, if I go through life and I'm attuned and I'm like, hey, God, help me see when somebody needs something that I can actually give them, right? So yeah. if, somebody, if somebody needs a million dollars, I can't help them. But if they need a drink, they need a word of encouragement, they just need a hug, they need whatever it is, well, that I can do. And God says, yeah, and that's not just nice. That's extraordinary. That's a holy moment. And you will be rewarded. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> right? That his heart. You yeah. know, he says. He says, when, whatever you do, when you do it under the least of these, in other words, if you take a little child and you do something for a child, something good for a child, he says, you've done it to me. You've right. wooed his heart. When yeah. you help somebody else out. One thing I like about the Masters this year is it, is it Lee Elder, but the guy that they had on the first tee, the first with Jack Nicklaus and Gary Player, right? And he was the first black man to ever play in the Masters in 1975. And yeah. they brought him back, and he didn't even have the strength to, to – um, to, to hit the driver, but to just be there with Jack and Gary. And he was just like, but when they interviewed him, you guys got to watch the interview. When they interviewed him, he said, they said, what would you like your legacy to be? He's 86 years old right now. He said, and he said, I'd like my legacy to be that I helped somebody mm. that I inspired somebody. When you inspire somebody, you woo God's heart. And I think when we think of God, we think he doesn't want to be wooed. He doesn't need to be wooed. So we come to him and we're desperate. We come to him and we're angry. We come to him and we're confused. God help me. God help me. God help me. But how often do we go to him and try to woo his heart and say, I'm going to make God, right? Like when my wife wants to woo my heart, oh my goodness. Or when I'm going to go on a date or I want to make my wife's day. You can always tell when I wooed her heart because my wife has this little tell. Her toes wiggle when she gets super happy. Her toes wiggle. And if I can make her toes wiggle, I win. And so I, I always go to my wife and ask her to tell me that she loves me, ask her to do things that, that she can do for me. I go to her and I, I do that a lot because she's really good at what she does. Man, she is so, we couldn't do what we do if it wasn't for her in, in the office and everything that she does. But I tell you what, there's also, an, uh, you go to another level when you start saying, I want to make her day. I want to make her smile. I want to make her toes wiggle. 
And I just don't think we think God made her in his image, right? I don't think we ever think about making God's toes wiggle, right? But to woo his heart means, God, I'm going to make you happy. There's a song out there that I loved. Andre Crouch used to sing it and says, Jesus, come lay your head on me. know you must be tired of carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders so lay your head on me and the story of Jesus when he was alive you know and it was his his last day on earth and he, he knows he's about to be go to the cross and, he, and right and he shows up and tradition back then they didn't have socks and shoes they had sandals and dust right and so you washed each other's feet when someone came into your home you washed their feet with a little bowl basin of water whatever right and nobody washed Jesus's feet and instead he turned around and washed all theirs. And I want to be the person that washes his feet, so to speak. I want to be the person, I know that's very biblical terminology, so let me break it down like this. I want to be the person that serves him for once. To just tell him, God, I want to thank you. Instead of asking you for something right now, I want to thank you for something right now. I want to thank you for what you have given me. I want to thank you for what you do do for me. God, I'm going to go help somebody today because I want to make you happy with me. That's wooing God's heart. So to bring this right into our lives, our everyday lives, it's very easy to say, well, I, I don't know how to please God. I don't know how to serve him. He sees, he's out there. He's huge. He's unattainable, all yeah. that kind of stuff. But you know, to go back to what you mentioned earlier, Jesus said, when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto Jesus. You've done it unto me. So he made it available to everybody, regardless of prestige, power, strata, whatever, regardless of title, regardless of recognition, all that kind of stuff, because anybody can offer a cup of water. So uh, greatness is available to everybody. But then he said, he took it to this whole another level where he says, if you do this to the least of these, you you give a cup of cold water, you help somebody across the street, you go visit somebody when they're ill in, in the hospital, you encourage somebody. It's not just that you've helped them, but you've actually somehow, in some supernatural way, you've actually done that to God. You've ministered to God, which blows my mind, right? How can that be? But that's that's the words of God, so you know that's got to be true. So when we say, well, I, He's God. Yeah, I can only woo God's heart when I'm in prayer, when I'm reading the Bible, when I'm in worship. Yes, you can do yes, that. Yes, when I, when I become a minister, I enter the sainthood. I, yeah. you know, I sacrifice my called, body on that. No, he enjoyed, you, he enjoyed you playing baseball the other day. He enjoyed you taking a nap the other day. He enjoyed you because you were enjoying life. And the very fact that God makes it so that I could woo him, that I could win, his, win the master? Are you kidding me? Right. So last night, I called you. I wasn't doing well. Remember, I called you and I said, I'm not doing well, Joe. And uh, you had you had to go. You had a few minutes. I kind of gave it to you, and it still wasn't. It was still heavy on my heart what yeah. I was going through. And yeah. so then I called my other friend. I, I texted him. Said, "Can you can you talk? Are you busy?" He says, "Yeah, I'm with company right now." My wife was in the middle of of something downstairs on the computer, and I'm just sitting there going, "I have no one to talk to." And then I was just really my heart was like, "What do you mean I have no one to talk to? I've got the God of the universe that says I'm here anytime you want me." So I said, "You know what, God? I'm sorry I even said that. We went for a walk." I go, you want to woo God's heart? I go for walks with God all the time. Sometimes I even step over on the sidewalk. Sometimes I'll get in the car and I'll ask him to sit in the seat, empty seat next to me. Sometimes, this may seem weird to a lot of people, but it's only weird because you haven't done it before. It's not weird to me. 
not anymore anyway, but the first time it was, I'll take God out to eat and I'll just get something to eat and I'll say, God, are you paying or am I paying? Right. And I'll just, I'll just share what's on my heart with them. God, here's how I feel. That woos God heart. When you become vulnerable to him and let him see your weakness, let him see, you know, and we'll go to a movie. I'll say, God, what movie do you want to go see? And I, I wait for my heart to, to kind of guide me. Let's go watch this one. And I'll watch that movie and I'll see, man, that's exactly what I'm going through with life. So last night I went on, on a walk with God because I was just discouraged. And I, and it's funny, I went to all my friends first, my earthly friends, before I went to God. I should have went to him first. I put my headphones on and every song that came on was an answer to what was going on inside of my head. But I go on walks with God a lot, but I learned something new last night I'd never learned before, talking about winning the master's heart. I go on walks with God many times when I'm confused. I, I got to figure this out. God, what is the answer? I want to know what the answer is. So I go on a walk and I'm on this mission. I love walking with my wife. But at one point, it was different because she walked to get in shape. And when I walked with her there, it was like a speed walk. And it wasn't the same thing as just relaxing, chilling. But I realized I've been kind of speed walking with God. I've been walking on a mission. Like, God, I got to find out this answer. I got to find, God, what's going on? Talk to me here, you know? And last night, I didn't. The music was chill. And, the music, and I, was just, I was just hanging out with God. And within a matter of moments, all of a sudden, everything had just left. And I was just... I was good, man. I was good. And I realized I don't need God to tell me the answer to my situation. I just need to be with him. I need to hang out with him. I just need, the Bible says that in God, when you're in God's presence, when you're where God is, there's fullness of happiness. That's what the Bible says. And so if you're struggling with happiness, get alone with God somewhere and don't get all serious and all weird. And you don't have to get all weird to hang out with God. God made you in his image. Just be who you are and tell God what's up. Go for a walk with them. Go fishing with them. Go hunting with them. Go shopping with them. That woos God's heart. When you acknowledge him, and that's why he says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it's also in the middle of the Bible, in the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, he says, in all your ways, acknowledge me. Admit that I'm here. Say, hey, what's up, right? I wake up in the morning, I, I fist bump God. God, what's up? What do you want to do today, right? I acknowledge him in all my ways. God, I'm going to go to the store. What's, and sometimes I'll, I'm on my way to the store, and my heart will say, go to another store. And I go to another store and I'll see somebody there that, that I hadn't seen forever or that I was able to buy groceries for or a, a sale on a certain item that I've been looking for, a, a thing I would have missed if I would have gone the other direction. But I acknowledge God and God took me down that path. And I know that seems weird to a lot of people, but it's not weird if you think about it. God made us to hang out with us. And he went up to heaven. Jesus went up to heaven so he could send his presence down, that he's everywhere all the time, that he can hang out in your backyard with you while he's hanging out in my office with me. And if you want to woo God's heart, just how would you woo you? How would you make your best friend's day? How would you make your girlfriend or your boyfriend's day? How would you make your spouse's day? Do something like that for God. And if you can't do it to God because you don't know how to buy God a coffee, then do it by buying somebody else a coffee. That's a good way to put it. When you buy a coffee in my name, you know, when you give something, when you give some, buy someone a coffee, you just, you just woo God's heart. So that's kind of what I want to talk about the whole, who's going to win the master's heart. And I want to be that guy. I want to win the master's. I know who I want to win the master's golf tournament, but more importantly than that, I want to win God's heart. And when those guys are playing to the best of their ability, they are actually wooing God's heart too. They are winning God's heart as well. So I, I want to go back over some of the threads, these really rich threads in our discussion. One is God has made us 
extraordinary. He knew us and loved us. We, we wooed him, as your listener said, before we even were born, because he was, he was in his masterful way knitting us together for who he would be. So he's, he's already in love with us because he's making us there, right? He, we wooed his heart before we've done a thing, before we were even consciously aware that we were a being or that there was a God. That's a great place to start, right? And then there's this thread we've talked about, about time with God, where you just, you chill, you hang with God, and you pour out your heart, and you let him minister to you, and, and there's some beauty there because God's not threatened by your uh, questions. He's not, you know, he's not negative because you're negative. God's the one person that can absorb all that and go, yeah, I get it. Yeah, so I got something better for you, right? Let me Let me listen to you and understand. And then there's the thread of, if I do it to the least of these, if I give a cup of cold water or a cup of coffee, that then I'm I'm wooing the heart of God because in some amazing spiritual way, I'm actually ministering to God by ministering to people, especially if I have no agenda, if I if I'm not expecting something in return, if it's not an exchange of yeah. you know goods. Every day, every moment can be extraordinary, can be holy, right? Because yeah. God is everywhere all the time. And so it might be at the park or it might be in the grocery store. It might, might be, you know, in the latrine, who knows, but we can't, we can't escape God's presence. So let's embrace it and see, see the extraordinary in the ordinary, whether it's inside of us or whether it's in those around us. And when you do that, when you make people happy, you win the master's heart. Yeah. And when you acknowledge God, you win the master's heart. When you talk with him and get real with him, you win his heart. I like, we'll close with this. Chris has said, you can talk to God anytime, anywhere. I love this. He says, I have a dance party with him and sing songs with him. And I go for walks with him every day. And Krista, when she does that, she wins the master's heart. Make someone happy. Make just one someone happy. And you will be happy. Well, thanks for joining us, guys. Joe, thanks for joining us. That was very fun. And uh, go win the Masters. Four. Look out below. Incoming. <laughs> Steve Ace.